0: Friends, patriots, and fellow citizens, and welcome to this week's edition of the We the People Convention news and opinion podcast. My name is Tom Zawastowski, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm also the president of the We the People Convention, and this podcast and everything we do at We the People Convention is paid for by the generous donors uh, to the We the People Convention. And we thank them for their support. Without them, we could not do this podcast. We could not uh, do the text messages, the emails. We could not be building the, the phone app that is currently under development. We could not host the events that we host. So thank you to everyone who supports us. And if you'd like to join them, you can do so by going to wethepeopleconvention.org and clicking on the donate button. I'm very glad that you decided to join us this week. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, Basically, you know, what this is is a news aggregation podcast. We take, you know, the supposed news of the week, of which most is propaganda, and we sort out all the noise and, and nonsense, and we focus on truthful information that has a very important characteristic. It affects you personally. The news you need to know is the news that affects your life, your liberty, your freedom, and your prosperity, okay? So that's what we try to do is is give you a weekly recap of what happened, how it might affect you, and then most importantly, particularly for those of you who are new to this, this podcast is about action. You know, we, we just do not believe in passivity. We think that we have to work to maintain our freedom and our liberty and our prosperity in the American way of life. We have a duty to protect that. And that means we've got to act. We've got to call senators. We've got to show up at meetings. We've got to you know, put together protests. We've got to support people who are supporting us. <clears throat> so there will be asks in this podcast, as there are in all of our podcasts. I will I will suggest things to you that you can do that will make a difference. But let me be totally clear. I made this promise in the first Portage County Tea Party meeting we ever held. I will never waste your time, your effort, or your money. If I ask you to do something, I have a high degree of belief that it will have an impact, that it will be positive, not just for you, but for all of us and for America and for freedom and liberty and prosperity. So those are kind of the rules of of the show. And for those of you who've been longtime listeners, welcome back. I hope you had a good week. I hope that you're well. Um, you know, we've been going through some some pretty difficult times, where you know, and and many of you have as well. It's been a it's been a crazy and tough couple of years, and you know, recently we've had some deaths and some illnesses that have been really just you know just really hard to take. And I know you go through that as well. But we need to keep a positive attitude, and we need to keep you know. Our perspective on things. And we need to be thankful and grateful for the incredible life that we live because we still are living the greatest life any humans on planet Earth have ever, ever been so lucky to live. So, as bad as it is for us, it's better than it's ever been for anyone else. So, never forget that. Be grateful. That's a very important characteristic. And don't be bitter, be a happy warrior. You know, fight the fight because you want to not because you have to. All right so we've been beginning our, our podcast uh, with this explanation. as you know uh, in the back, you'll see my flag is hanging upside down. That is not a, a you know a, an attack on our on our nation. It's a sign that we are in distress and you know extreme distress, distress and we are uh, and, and you'll see that in this podcast. you and I and our nation are under attack. Uh, internally, uh, externally, you know, by forces of evil that we must defeat. And we're going to talk about that, and that's why the flag is upside down. I hope you will fly your flag upside down. One of the sources of evil that we have been fighting is the evil that has, uh, you know, taken advantage of the protests on January 6th by patriots against what we felt was a, a rigged and stolen election and turned it into a, a political persecution of of really innocent, for the most part, citizens, and and so we've been saying a prayer for the the uh, January sixth political prisoners. Uh, there's still, I believe, like eighty of them who've been held for sixteen months without bail. You know, I try to cover that for you so you can you you can know that. But for the grace of God, go I. Many of you watching this were there on January 6th. I was there, you know, and and the people they're persecuting, uh, you know, could have been any of us. And so we're fighting for them. We're fighting for their freedom and their liberty. I'm going to, you know, have a couple stories about this after we're done, but we begin our podcast with a prayer for the January 6th prisoners, their families, their lawyers. And then we're also praying for the people of Ukraine who we think are being used by the West as cannon fodder, literally, you know, that we're just using them, we're letting them be killed for our political, uh, you know, goals, which we think is totally immoral. And we're praying for uh, the the Canadian truckers and the people of Canada now because of the tyranny that they are under by their um, dictatorial totalitarian leadership, quote-unquote, of uh, tyrant Trudeau. So just... Take a second here and um, remember every day, keep, keep these prisoners, these political prisoners in your prayers. God has a purpose for this uh, and he will, he will bring justice to those who are doing this, to these innocent people. So just say a prayer. All right, so we got some information this week that uh, will help you better understand, you know, some of the things that the left is trying to do. You know, they're the ones who accuse us of being, you know, anti-democratic, and you're a threat to democracy, don't you know? But uh, the real threat to democracy is them. They're the communists. They're trying to destroy uh, our rights, our liberties, our freedom, our property. They're trying to destroy the Constitution and and our and our. American, you know nation and so this is the story I wanted to cover for you because you're not gonna hear a lot of people cover this But it's important for you to understand Coordination between J6 committee and politically motivated DOJ is intended to break attorney-client Firewall in Trump targeting effort. So what does this mean? Well, Let me just read this for you and and you'll get a, a better idea. The long-term motives and plans of the January 6th committee and their coordination with the DOJ are starting to come into increased clarity as the midterm elections draw near. A key indicator of the strategy from within the DOJ J6 effort surfaced when the quasi-constitutional committee sent a subpoena to a former president, to former President Trump's legal counselor, Pat Cipollone then leaked the subpoena, then leaked the testimony, then shaped, edited, and broadcast the testimony during their primetime broadcast. After the January 6th broadcast, attorney Chip alone was then subpoenaed by the DOJ and recent reports indicate he is being called to testify before a grand jury. Why is that important? The legal strategy hereafter called by what it is, a lawfare strategy, is now clear. The legislative branch, specifically the January 6th committee, is attempting to use their self-created legislative legal authorities to fracture long-established attorney-client privileges and then send the results to the DOJ for use against the client of the attorney. This explanation, excuse me, this explains the importance of former White House attorney Lisa Monaco taking up her position as deputy assistant attorney general. The DOJ would be shut down by any ordinary court of jurisdiction, even in the heavily political Washington, D.C. system, if they attempted to get a lawyer to give testimony about his legal advice to a client. It is one of the most basic tenets and legal privileges in our system, and att- attorneys cannot be compelled to give testimony against their client. It is a standard uh, long accepted in our legal system. Any attorney would break the confidence in the attorney-client privilege would lose their license, okay? So that's the precedent. But what's happening here? Well, additionally, as the president, other privileges exist for President Trump, specifically the executive privilege to receive counsel or advice from any person or on any issue that would pertain toward the administration of the executive office. The president needs to be able to receive information in confidence and the people giving advice and counsel need to be able to speak freely without fear the content content of the conversation would later be used by another entity not involved in the issue at hand. By compelling testimony to a non-court of manufactured quasi-legal jurisdiction, which is the January 6th committee, demanding testimony from Cipollone, it now appears the result resulting information is being transferred to the DOJ for use against Cipollone's client, President Trump. That is an example of lawfare at its worst. So get this. So the, uh, the January 6th committee has him testify and then they give his testimony to the DOJ and then the DOJ indicts him. <clears throat> the, the, the January 6th committee demands testimony and asserts the testimony must be offered without conflict because the January 6th committee has no criminal authority. Uh, as the as, uh, issue uh, issue is argued, the witness cannot be criminally charged by the committee. Therefore, no criminal liability exists for the witness. Therefore, the testimony must be compelled by the committee, the, which is the legislative branch, right? It's a house committee, All right. However, what we are seeing is a committee being used as a legal shield and enforcement tool by and for the DOJ who could never on their own force the same testimony. See how this is playing out? See how this is working? The result is President Trump's legal counsel, Pat Cipollone, being compelled to testify before a criminal grand jury. And within that questioning, he will be asked about his prior testimony before the January 6th committee. Where normally, if he was in front of a grand jury, he would just claim attorney-client privilege. Essentially, this is one big lawfare workaround and likely a, a legal and constitutional issue that will end up at an appellate court level or higher. Or higher. Um, this, is, this is what they're doing. They're destroying the rule of law. They're destroying equal justice under the law. They're destroying your ability to my ability, anyone's ability, the President of the United States' ability to have legal counsel that's privileged. How many people knew that? How many people know that? Now you do. Important, okay? Then this next step, Capitol Police seek to hire their own prosecutor overseeing allegations against congressmen and trespassers. So this is another you know, step to undemocratic step, right? The threat to democracy that's going on because our constitution is about separation of powers. That's one of the ways that our founders <coughs> really have wanted us, you know, to keep each other in check. And what they're doing is they're dismantling the checks and balances. That's what the deep state's all about, okay? And this is the, one of their next ploys, the U.S. Capitol Police is hiring its own criminal prosecutor in what observers say is an unprecedented politicization of law enforcement that could pose serious constitutional problems. A job ad describes the position as special assistant United States attorney located um, in the United States uh, Capitol Police District offices and states that it re, uh, reports the United States uh, uh Capitol Police Deputy, and General Counsel. But it also says the successful candidate will work under the, du- the direct supervision and authority of Washington's U.S. Attorney's Office. Okay? Now, this position is being represented, uh, is to represent the United States government primarily prosecuting individuals and or groups who have engaged in threats and or acts of violence against members of Congress, their staffs, United States Capitol Police employee, Employees, visitors to the Capitol complex, and fa- facilities and properties within the Capitol complex. The ad continues, the prosecutor would work on cases stemming from the January 6th riot, but the argument would also mean someone working for congressional leadership could also have a role in deciding whether to prosecute congressmen or their aides for corruption scandals. Work may involve problems of unusual delicacy, such as allegations of wrongdoing against staff or members of Congress criminal trespass, investigations of threats or crimes against members of Congress, and arresting or detaining, or detaining high-profile individuals. The posting for the job pays 145 dollars to $186,000 per year. So what's the problem? Mike Davis, founder of the Article 3 Project and former chief counsel for nominations for the Senate Judiciary Committee, and law clerk to Chief uh, to Justice Neil Gorsuch said federal prosecutors can only work for the executive branch. OK, what's happening here? It is clearly unconstitutional for Congress to have a federal prosecutor on its payroll and working for them. Davis told The Daily Wire it violates the separation of powers. Federal prosecutors work for the president and the executive branch, and every prosecution by Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer's army of prosecutors is subject to serious uh, constitutional questions, uh, challenges, and reversal by the Supreme Court. It is a very dangerous precedent for prosecutors to work for police instead of the other way around. You see what they're doing, right? The Capitol Police are hiring prosecutors. And so it's not the prosecutor like in all other cases, who understands the law, they're a lawyer, and they say this person violated the law and then orders the police to go find these people and bring them to court so they can be charged. This is the opposite. The Capitol Police will say, oh, this is a bad guy, we want you to prosecute him. This is a desperate power grab by Pelosi and Schumer to keep their bogus January 6th narrative going forever. Speaker Pelosi has turned the People's House into a political fortress for Democrats. She is politicizing and weaponizing the Capitol Police, and now she's trying to do the same for federal prosecutors. That's exactly what she's trying to do. President Biden, Speaker Pelosi, and Leader Schumer need to back down immediately from this boneheaded decision before the court shuts it down for them. Yeah, three three guesses of whether they're going to shut it down or whether the court's going to have to stop them. So once again, <clears throat> we, the people, are going to have to go to court to stop an illegal attempt by the Democrat communists. Remember, there is no Democrat party. They've been taken over. That's why they call themselves Democrat socialists. They're not socialists. They're communists. There is no Democrat party. If you voted for any Democrat you're voting for communist takeover of our country. It's that simple. This is a perfect example. Two of them, right? This affects you because it undermines the rule of law and our constitution and therefore your rights, okay? Your rights. If they, if they want to charge you down the road with something, you're not going to have attorney-client privilege if we don't overturn this. If we let them have the police hire prosecutors, this is nothing then, a totalitarian witch hunt. That's why it affects you. That's why you need to care. But again, I thought this story, you know, was very interesting because every time, right, in the January 6th hearings, you know, they, they make these outrageous and totally edited and completely manipulated statements to try to blame President Trump and to call it an insurrection, except it's, there's no evidence, right? There's, you know, they, they, they talk about the people, you know, murdered by the rioters, except no one was murdered by the rioters. They were all murdered by the Capitol Police and the federal government, okay? So they, their big thing, you know, is about, oh, everyone at the, the you know, the January 6th event was there to overthrow the government. I, I got news for you. We we probably had close, we had hundreds of thousands of people, if not close to a million, if we were there to overthrow the government, we had enough people to burn Washington, D.C. to the ground. We didn't do that. Why didn't we do that? Because we weren't there for that reason. We were there just to demand that our representatives, our elected officials from our states, do the right thing and investigate the charges that we had, You know that there was you know, stealing of votes in the election and did not certify it until they investigated it. That's what we were there for. Well, yeah, they don't want to believe that. They want America to believe you were there as insurrectionists, but oh yeah, we didn't bring any guns, right? So we're going to have an insurrection, but we're not bringing guns, right? So they were uh, not too happy when uh, this Harvard study came out, okay? Uh, Findings of Harvard study conflict with liberal narrative on January 6th. And it says, I don't think I expected the results to be this, this stark. Well, what did they find out? What they found out in this Harvard study, and again, I think this is bogus as could be. But again, they didn't find what they were looking for. They were looking for evidence to give the January sixth committee that, yep, they were there to to take over the country. And what they found out is, the vast majority of people there were there to support President Trump and to and and air their grievances about what they saw as a a flawed election. Only eight percent said they were there to overthrow the government, okay? Now, again, who would say that? Even if you were there for that reason, why would you tell the Harvard Kennedy School of uh, uh, Shorenstein Center pollsters that that's why you were there? So I don't believe that is even true, and I don't believe that 8% of people there had any thoughts of overthrowing the government, okay? Now, you know, your definition of overthrow the government, certainly ours is way different than theirs. You know, if, if stopping the Senate, you know, uh, you know, confirmation of the, the, the vote was overthrowing the government, which I don't think it is, uh, that's one thing. We were there. We wanted them to stop the vote. We wanted to take a pause and look at the evidence, right? But the real definition of taking over the government is to attack the government. Capture the people, you know, do damage, injure people, whatever. There's nobody there with that intent. Or I can't say nobody. Very, very small, not 8%. Okay. And so, oh, the Harvard people, because they're dumb as a box of rocks, right? They're woke as a joke and indoctrinated. They, ex- I guess they seriously expected to take a poll and have everybody go, yep, I was there to overthrow the government. Wow, this this is the kind of stuff that January Sixth Committee's dealing with, right? This is the hocus pocus nonsense that they're trying to trying to do. So they came and do their own study that that supports their position. All right, so we're still fighting that fight. We have to fight that fight. We have to free those political prisoners, and that's they are. You know, these they've got people locked up for a year and a half without trial because they say that they're, they were terrorists and insurrectionists, and none of them have been charged with insurrection or terrorism. So that's all you need to know. Just listen to what they say. So one of the biggest threats to you and your life and your liberty and your prosperity this week uh, was Joe Manchin's reversal on this uh, Inflation Reduction Act, where Joe Manchin from West Virginia Said, oh, it, you know, this is really good. It's good for fossil fuels. You know, it's it's gonna help cut inflation. And and as Breitbart says in their in their thing, the inflation reduction act is a brazen lie. It's in a period of the highest inflation since the 1980s, the Democrat Communist Left wants to raise. billion through new taxes on you and on corporations and on small business to spend mostly on green New Deal, green job nonsense, which let me translate that for you. They want to invest it in solar and wind and stuff? Yeah, and that means we're going to tax the American people Raising inflation, because inflation means your dollars go less. So if, if you're making $100,000 and I raise your taxes by 2%, you're now making $98,000. The rest of mine is going to the government, so you have less buying power. Where's that buying power going to go? Well, for the Green New Deal, crap. It's going to China, our enemy, as we will see very clearly here and later in the show. So they're going to tax you at a time when inflation is out of control, to give money to our enemies in the name of, quote-unquote, saving the planet when there's absolutely no evidence that the planet needs to be saved, okay? And they're saying it, there, again and again, this really bothers me, and it should bother you, the Inflation Reduction Act. its It's almost like they want to insult us to our face, it's become cute, right, to name, okay, like Obamacare, the Affordable Health Care Act, except it raised the cost of health care everywhere. It's now it's become this thing in DC where they think, oh, it's 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 cute to just lie in the name of your whatever you're doing. You can literally take it to the bank. The Inflation Reduction Act raises inflation. And the polling is showing that I don't know, I think only thirteen percent of Americans think it will reduce inflation, which is the number one issue for all Americans. And it's going to be the number one issue to sign the election in November. And still they're doing it. And so the bad news for you this week was that uh Cinema, the, the senator from Arizona, who's often stood with Joe Manchin, when Manchin was stopping the insanity uh, from the, the Communist Democrat Party, of which both of them are members and neither of them should be, um, according to a report from CNN, Arizona Senator Kristen Cinema, previously a holdout on the Democrats' Inflation Reduction Act, has agreed to support it. Dems now have the 50 votes they need to pass the bill. In a statement, Cinema indicated that she won several changes to the tax provisions of the package, including removing the tax on carried interest, which would have impacted hedge fund managers and private equity. That proposal would have raised $14 billion. Yeah. Are, how many of you guys listen are, uh, hedge fund managers? How, how many of you are private equity, uh, fund managers? Yeah. Who's Kirsten Cinema representing? Did she, did she cut any of the taxes on, on you? No, no, but she took care of her donors. She took care of her donors. We have agreed to remove the carried interest tax provision, protect advanced manufacturing, and boost our clean energy economy. Clean energy economy? What clean energy economy? Doesn't exist. Um, In the Senate's budget reconciliation legislation, Sinema said, subject to the parliamentarian's review, I will move forward. What she's meaning there is that they want to use budget reconciliation, so in order, which means that they don't need 60 votes to pass this in the Senate. They only need uh, 51. Okay, which in and since we have 50 Republicans, 50 Democrats, and Kamala, 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 whoever the hell she is, the supposed Vice President, who's an absolute M.I.A., she's the 51st vote. Well. If the the parliamentarian rules that this isn't a budget bill, then they need 60 votes. Question is, will the Republicans be able to convince any other Democrat to go against this? This is not good, folks. This is bad for you. This is going to take money out of your pocket right away. You guys in West Virginia? You guys in Arizona? Yeah, this is an ask. You got to be calling them. I don't know what Joe Manchin is thinking. Now there was a story and and I and if you go to wethepeopleconvention.org you can see all these stories but you go to wethepeopleconvention.org there's a, you know a story with Joe Manchin when he said he's he cut this deal and I added a link to that story because he told some people this week that in the bill there's all these reductions of regulations on fossil fuels And the left is really angry about this. And there's a a gas pipeline in West Virginia that he wanted. But there's also this horrible stuff against coal. And the Coal Owners and Miners Association wrote a just devastating letter to Manchin this week. So what is he doing? Well, in this interview, which I linked to in that story, Manchin hints that he told Schumer and these guys that if you renege on the deal, I will switch parties and Schumer would be out as as the as Senate leader and McConnell would be in. Now, I've talked about that way at the beginning. I thought Republicans, you know, as soon as Biden came in, should have went to mansion and offered him anything he wanted, including to be, the, the, you know, the head of the Senate, okay? The Senate leader, if he moved to become a Republican. I said that, you know, literally almost a year and a half ago. And now the fact that he may have threatened that, that's pretty interesting and I like it, except that only that leverage only lasts until the November election. And they're not gonna pass these changes by the November election. They're not gonna in other words, their part where they gotta get rid of the, the you know the, the rules and regulations on fossil fuels. I don't think they're doing that before November. So why does Joe have any man have any leverage? Because if if we take the Senate, which I fully expect the Republicans will, then it's Manchin switching doesn't make any difference anyway call Joe Manchin call Curson Cinema, call any democrat in an energy state and push them this is bad folks this is not good this is bad Seeing you bad, I, I had to put this out there because I saw, I know many of you guys saw this. U.S. Postal Service makes announcement on mail in ballots ahead of midterm elections. Yeah, try not to spit up your coffee uh, while you're laughing about this. The U.S. Postal Service has created a permanent division that will oversee mail in ban- ballots beginning with this year's midterm elections. So, what did we say? We want paper, we want no paper. We want paper ballots, no electronic machines, vote on election day with a photo ID, and it's all counted on election day. No early voting, no late voting. That's what we want. What do they want? They want to destroy the system. They want to create opportunities for fraud. So what are they doing? They're creating a permanent division to oversee mail-in ballots because we want to make sure there's always mail-in ballots, right? Right. The Election and Government Mail Service Unit will oversee election mail strike teams in local communities to deal with possible problems, according to Andrea Marshall, Executive Director of the newly created division. We are fully committed to secure and timely delivery of the nation's election mail, she told media outlets on January July 27th. Several months ago, the Biden administration requested $5 billion of our dollars to support the Postal Service's mail-in voting operation over the next 10 years. $500 million a year, right? That's how D.C. works. They, That's how they work. This would be a great thing for the newly elected Congress to defund when we take it over, wouldn't it, boys? All you people running for Congress who watch this show? Yeah, put this on your list. It also includes policies, um, uh, it also includes policies making official ballot materials free to mail and reducing the cost of other election related, related mail for jurisdictions and voters while enhancing the Postal Service's ability to securely and expeditiously deliver and receive mail in underserved areas, the White House said at the time. The UPS uh, Postal Service claimed it delivered 97.9% of ballots from voters to election officials within three days, and 99.89% of ballots were delivered within seven days during the 2020 election, okay? The Postal Service is sending guidance letters to election officials in each state and territory this week. So far, nearly 40 million ballots have been mailed to and from voters during the primary elections. There you have it institutionalizing fraud, okay? Yeah, so what's this mean? I think what it means is that instead of having 2,000 mules dropping illegal ballots into drop boxes where True the Vote could catch them, they're just going to have the Postal Service go to the NGOs and pick up the fraudulent ballots and deliver them and call them official ballots. That's what I think that means. Do you agree? Yeah, I think you probably agree. All right, so on to other things that affect you. Um, smoking gun, newly discovered emails confirm Joe Biden obstructed justice for his son's foreign business deals. And so this story just won't end the people that this, this, uh, laptop that the DOJ and the FBI just says they can't find. Remember, you know, Chuck Grassley last week demanding, you know, accountability because whistleblowers sent Chuck Grassley, you know, evidence that people within the FBI and DOJ. We're hiding the information. We're miscategorizing it. And we're calling any, you know, of the claims that are coming out of the media disinformation because they don't want to indict Joe Biden, who should be in prison, not acting as illegitimate president of the United States. He should be in prison. He's a criminal. He admitted on video when he talked about how he shook down, you know, the, the Ukrainian prosecutor, you know, because. His son was in on the, on the deal with uh, the oligarchs, right? So, what is this story about? So, you know, smoking gun, newly discovered emails. Okay, now they say newly discovered. It's because this this laptop has all of his emails, all of his text messages, all of his videos. It's got everything, and it's taken a long time to go through it. Newly discovered emails prove beyond all doubt that the true purpose of and Bride's lucrative deal with the Ukraine energy company. Uh, was for Hunter to get high-ranking U.S. officials to visit Ukraine and persuade the nation's leaders to close down all criminal cases pursued against the firm's primary owner, a notoriously corrupt oligarch with ties to Russia. Who was high-ranking U.S. official? On video, we have Joe Biden going to Ukraine to do exactly this. Documentation of this illegal scheme begins with a widely overlooked email on Hunter Biden's laptop in which a top executive of the Ukrainian firm describes the plan. Now emails uncovered by just facts proves that Hunter and his partners explicitly agreed to this deal, concealed the names of the U.S. top officials to be on the safe and cautious side, meaning they knew they were committing a crime and they were covering it up, a firm that only Hunter could credibly pr- promise to get those officials to shield the oligarch from criminal charges. So here's the deal. Hunter, we're going to give you millions of dollars. This corrupt Ukrainian gas company-owning oligarch is going to give you millions, which we know from previous e- ma- emails, a percentage goes to the big guy only if you can deliver this. Just one month later, then Vice President Joe Biden did exactly what those emails specified by visiting Ukraine and threatening to withhold U.S. aid unless a prosecutor investigating Hunter's cash cow was fired. Moreover, Biden did this by going after two key targets identified in the emails: the president of Ukraine and the prosecutor general. Okay. Oh, but but we're not gonna we're not gonna prosecute. Right. Oh, we're still investigating. Right. We're still investigating. Yeah. That's, this is, this is how deep the fraud and corruption is. And now we're going to go into a, a very deep and dark conversation here because we need to know the truth. I said to you at the beginning of the show, this is about the truth. We can't lie to ourselves. We can't lie to each other. We can't lie to our family. We can't lie. You can't live a life filled with lies. You have to face the truth, okay? So you got to see some things this week that are disturbing. There were Senate hearings, uh, and you can see them on C-SPAN. FBI director sets new record for lies, dodges, and obfuscation to avoid slight attempts at congressional oversight. Now, the word slight here is intentional because this hearing is, is what they call oversight. It's not. There's no oversight. There's no authority. There's no threat by the Senate saying, "Christopher Ray, you need to do this or you're fired. We will impeach you. You need to do these things." That's oversight. That's what your boss does, right? That's what you, as a parent, do to your children. You either clean your room or you're going to sit in the corner until you do, right? This is an oversight. This is comedy. Okay, except it's not funny. It's disgusting. And so, FBI Director Christopher Wray refused to answer legislators' questions. Why, if you're an employee and I'm your boss, how do you get to refuse to answer? The first time you refuse to answer, what are you? You're fired. How does he get to refuse to answer? I'm going to ask. I'm going to answer that question in depth here in a minute. Okay. He refused to answer the question, legislator's questions about his agency's history of corruption and cover-ups and instead doubled down on defending the FBI's actions against U.S. citizens during a Senate Judiciary hearing on Thursday. Senators on both sides of the aisle explained their frustrations with the FBI's lack of transparency in response to their various letters inquiring about threats around the country. There is a perception that there are two tiers of justice. One for people that are favored and one for ordinary Americans, Senator Marsha Blackburn noted in her interrogation. Uh, instead of addressing concerns about the scene, Ray confirmed Republican suspicions that the FBI does engage in politicized investigations, such as evaluating so called threats against school board members at the urging of the Department of Justice following the infamous letter from the National School Board Association. Okay, so I'm going to just play, there was tons of video. All kinds of podcasts had him uh, you can go on and watch on C-span and if you want to just be insulted by the arrogance of these people and, and watch this video clip of Ted Cruz because you'll just you'll just see it on Christopher Ray's face. He's not they're not the boss of him. He's the boss of them. Watch this video clip.
1: Yesterday, it was reported that Project Veritas had obtained a copy of an FBI training material which listed various symbols and themes which, in the FBI's estimation, were indicative of, quote, militia violent extremism. Now, these symbols weren't things like the Ku Klux Klan or the Nazi Party, which naturally would be symbols of that. But instead, they included, rather astonishingly, patriotic symbols of our nation and our history. Included on this list is the Betsy Ross flag. Now that's fairly remarkable that the Betsy Ross flag and the FBI's indication is indicative of, violent, of militia, violent extremism, because among other people who have been publicly alongside the Betsy Ross flag, we have President Barack Obama, who was sworn in directly underneath two Betsy Ross flags. But it's not just President Obama. We also have President Biden who was sworn in under Betsy Ross flags. It's not just the Betsy Ross flag. Also on this list is the Gadsden flag as a symbol of violent extremism. Now, the state of Virginia has a license plate for the Gadsden flag, as do many other states. I think people would be astonished to find that having that license plate the FBI indicates that you're a violent extremist. Also included on this is a text that I was particularly struck is the Gonzales battle flag. Come and take it. As indicative of being a violent extremist militia. Well, I will self-report right now that every day in the Senate I wear my boots that have the Gonzales battle flag on the back of them. Director Ray, what are y'all doing This makes no sense. Do you you agree with this FBI guidance that the Betsy Ross flag and the Gadsden flag and the Gonzalez battle flag are signs of militia, violent extremism?
0: Yeah, and he refused to answer the question, by the way. That's why it's not on there. He just, you know, just spits around saying, well, you know, that's interesting, blah, blah, blah. No, he does. See, but again, it's it's you're an insurrectionist if you fly the Bessie Ross flag, but they're not when they fly it, right? right? That's the double standard. We, I've got a Gadsden flag flying on our house. I think many of you do too. You should. Don't tread on me. That's a really important thing to remember, that we the people are in charge, not them, even though they think they're in charge. So the hearing continued, and I mentioned the Chuck Grassley thing. Ranking member Chuck Grassley was just one of the many Republicans who grilled Ray about the FBI's increasing partisanship and the effect that a weaponized federal agency has on Americans' trust and in its institutions. He said, Director Ray simply put, the FBI's credibility is on the line as our principles that help found and sustain our great nation, Grassley said in his opening statement. Grassley sent a letter to Ray and Attorney General Merrick Garland last month outlining how both the Department of Justice and the nation's primary domestic intelligence agency, the FBI, are institutionally corrupted to their very core to the point in which the United States Congress and the American people will have no confidence in the equal application of the law. That's a, that's a fair statement. That's the truth. That was after multiple whistleblowers alleged that high-ranking bureau officials manipulated evidence related to an investigation into President Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, and his pay-to-play scandal of influence petting. Evidence also suggests that FBI headquarters either improperly withheld information or presented inaccurate information to U.S. Attorney's Office in Pittsburgh and possibly also in Delaware. When Grassley asked Ray on Thursday why the FBI has become too political, whether it has become too politicized in its decision making, uh, and and why you know um, that was removed from this year's final report, Ray plans to address those concerns and dodge the uh, the questions of Grassley. Okay, so again, obfuscation. So they don't. They don't. They're not interested in. Following the law and upholding the law, even though they are the primary law enforcement officials. We don't need no stinking law is what their theory is or what their motto is. Instead, they're doing what? They're doing the same kind of things I showed you about the January 6th committee and the Democratic communists who are destroying our democracy. If you, you know, they did, we just said Grassley has whistleblower evidence that the guy was was manipulating, was hiding, was giving false information to the U.S. attorney gen- attorneys, and that would put all of us in jail for a very long time. What happens to this guy? FBI official transferred after whistleblower allegations of political bias, Senate reveals, Senator reveals. Chuck Grassley says Ray's decision, now get this, Raises issues is encouraging, but it's too early to say if FBI is serious about fixing the problems. A key center says a top FBI official has been moved from his leadership purse in Washington after internal whistleblowers complained he was part of an effort to interfere in politically sensitive investigation alleging allegations Christopher Ray now calls deeply troubling. Oh, they're deeply troubling. So we're gonna transfer the guy. Why? To protect him, right? Grassley, the top Republican on the Senate Judiciary Committee, told Justin News on Thursday that the FBI alerted him that assistant agent Charles uh, charged Timothy in charge, assistant agent in charge, Timothy T Ball has been moved to another unspecified job. The transfer came after Grassley reported extensive information to the FBI and Justice Department Inspector General that Bolt had expressed political bias in social media posts and interfered in politically sensitive investigations, including one into Hunter Biden's overseas business dealings. Senator Grassley, you are a good man. You're one of the few fighting for us. But for you to say it's encouraging, this guy was transferred, is insanity. He needs to be brought up on charges. He tampered with evidence in one of the most high profile criminal cases in American history. The son of the, uh, the son of the illegitimate president of the United States, and the president illegitimate president of the United States, Joe Obama, was taking bribes from Ukraine. This person this Timothy Tebow was in the FBI and 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 basically tampered with evidence. To not charge him tells you all you need to know. It tells you all you need to know. But I I, I take that back, okay? Because it's not all you need to know. All right, and I'm going to talk about this, uh, you know, in, in, in a more deeper way. Here's here's an article. And I'm going to link it at the podcast page. I have been hesitant to send this out to you, but now I feel it's necessary. It's it's only going to be on the podcast page where this story, you know, it's going to say this story is called The Existential Threat, and it's going to be linked there. And this is from our good friend at uh, the the uh, conservative treehouse, whose name goes by the pseudonym Sundance, okay? Okay. And this is a very deep and important article. It's not a short read. Uh, on the screen, you can see the slide I chose. Uh, the president Barack Obama's former campaign manager, David Fluff, famously said of Donald Trump's entry into politics, it's not enough to simply beat Trump. He must de- be destroyed thoroughly. His kind must not rise again. His kind, his kind. That's you and me. That's us. We must be destroyed thoroughly, okay? And you certainly can understand, you know that after he said that, that's what they proceeded to try to do and they're still trying to do. So bear with me, I'm gonna read this as slow as, as my wife wants me to do, okay, but you got to get this and then you're gonna to have to go to the link and read the rest of it because it's really the truth about what we're facing come next year, okay? Barack Obama's former campaign manager David Fluff, you know, said Trump must be destroyed. Uh, What what was it that Washington D.C. and President Obama seemed feared so much about Donald Trump? The answer to that question is why the FBI, DOJ, and CIA targeted Trump in 2016 and why they continued the targeting in 2017 with the Mueller investigation and why they continued the targeting through two attempts at impeachment in 2019 and 2020 and why they still keep targeting Donald Trump with the J6 committee and the DOJ investigation two years after he is no longer in office. Donald Trump is the existential threat. No, we are because we elected him, right? Right. When your business involves gaining personal wealth by selling out America, Donald Trump is bad for business. Barack Obama, John Brennan, Eric Holder, and James Comey did not create a weaponized DOJ and FBI. The institutions were already weaponized by the Patriot Act. What the Obama-era officials did was take the pre-existing system and retool it so the weapons of government only conducted surveillance and targeting toward one side of the political dynamic. This point is where many people understandably get confused. In the era shortly after 9-11, the D.C. National Security Apparatus, instructed by Vice President Dick Cheney, was constructed to preserve continuity of government and simultaneously view all Americans as potential threats. The Department of Homeland Security and the Office of the Director of National Intelli- Intelligence, the ODNI, was created, specific- they were both created for this specific purpose. The- after 9-11, the secure- electronic surveillance system that was originally created to monitor threats from abroad was retooled to monitor threats inside our country. That is when all our electronic metadata came under federal surveillance. That inflection point and the process that followed was exactly what Edward Snowden tried to point out. What Barack Obama and Eric Holder did with that new construct was refine the internal targeting mechanisms so that only their political opposition became the targets of this new national security system. The problems we face now as a country are directly an outcome of two very distinct points that were merged by Barack Obama. One, the post-9-11 monitoring of electronic communications of American citizens, and two, Obama's team creating a fine-tuning knob that is focused on the politics of the targets. That is very important to understand as you dig deeper into the research online. So like the targeting of the Tea Party, right? This is one of the first examples, and I was one of the lead plaintiffs in that case in which we We won after six years in court and proved that they had targeted the Tea Party and we won a $3.2 million settlement. Washington, D.C. created the modern national security apparatus immediately and hurriedly after 9-11. The Department of Homeland Security came along in 2002 and within the Intelligence Reform and Terrorism Prevention Act of 2004, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence was formed, the ODNI. When President Barack Obama and Attorney General Eric Holder arrived a few years later, those newly formed institutions were viewed as opportunities to create a very specific national security apparatus that would focus almost exclusively against their political opposition. And we saw that. We saw that play out live. Eric Holder is one of the biggest, racist, bigots commies ever, okay? And and he's the one who said... Oh, the, the, the laws, right? As, as the Attorney General, he said that the laws don't apply to white people. They only apply to minorities. That's what he said. Okay? And so the pretext, the, pre, the pre-existing Federal Bureau of Investigation and Department of Justice were then repurposed to become two of the four pillars of the domestic national security apparatus, a domestic surveillance state. However, this new construct would have a targeting mechanism based on political ideology. The DHS, ODNI, DOJ, and FBI became the four pillars of this new institution. Atop these pillars is where you will find the fourth branch of government, the deep state. Now, that isn't even 1% of it. In this article, he then goes on to give you videos, links, evidence to to make your head explode that basically shows that our intelligence infrastructure is operating totally separate from the government. There is zero oversight. The president of the United States has zero authority over them. The the Congress, we think we're going to elect the House and Senate and we're going to have oversight like this joke of the Senate committee hearing that just played on C-SPAN on Thursday. That's not oversight. These people, he goes on to explain that the FBI, CIA, DOJ, and all these people, they are actually making money from all kinds of other sources that they could fund themselves. I'm I'm serious. You got to read this article, all right? It'll be on our podcast page, not in an article, in a link. And, and 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 you know you can click on that link to get to the conservative treehouse you know a story about the existential threat, but this is what we need to understand. Our we don't have a government. It's not our government. We vote, but the people we elect don't run the government, and 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 the communists have infiltrated, and so now you know these people are partisan. It's not an accident. Chuck Grassley, you know, he's got a whistleblower saying, look at these people are protecting Hunter Biden when they're persecuting Donald Trump and his supporters. The only way to fix that is to crush them, to put them out of business. The FBI, the CIA, the Patriot Act needs to be completely torn up. It's not protecting us, it's attacking us. You can go, again, when you watch this podcast, I say all the time, the only way to get things into your long-term memory from your short-term memory is to pause and think about it or to go back and play it again. Do that throughout our podcast. It will help you because this is important information, but I know it's a lot, okay? But instead of, you know, doing the right things, instead of going after, you know, punter biden and joe biden for god's sake what what are they doing look what they're doing justice department details threats against election workers a top official says the justice department has charged five people for making threats of violence against election workers amid a rising wave of harassment and intimidation tied to the 2020 presidential election oh yeah that's on abc news but yeah, but there's been way more than five people arrested for voter fraud in Arizona, in Michigan, in Wisconsin, in Georgia. Oh well, no, but that's that's not the story. And that's not the reason they have a hearing. Like Like, you know, they're not looking at that. But they're looking at threats against election workers. Assistant Attorney General Kenneth Polite said one charge has led to a conviction so far through a task force launched last year. As reports of threats to election officials, workers and volunteers raise concerns about safety and security of future elections. Oh yeah, don't you know that if those Trump supporters, those Republican voters do their constitutional duty and work the polls, they're a threat, but all the Democrat union people who work the polls and get paid for it and the teachers union people and all the other commies that they work the polls, they're not a threat. They're not being investigated by the DOJ. Overall, the department has investigated more than a thousand harassing and threatening messages directed at election workers. Roughly 100 of those have risen to the level of potential prosecution. Police, a Polite estimated at least three more people have been charged for such threats at the state level. Senator Maisie Hirano, the dumbest person in the Senate from Hawaii. What? She's dumber than a pineapple from her state, Hawaii, said at a hearing of the Senate Judiciary Committee that those numbers likely do not account for the countless more incidents nationwide, including election workers accosted on the streets that are not referred to federal prosecutors. Yeah, but what about the election workers who were not referred to federal prosecutors who falsified ballots? Who, yo, who cheated in the election. Oh, no, we're not going to look at that. Michigan Secretary of State Joyce Benson recalled for the committee when dozens of protesters were outside her home in December 2020 shouting obscenities and graphic threats. As a result, there is an on-the-present feeling of anxiety and dread that permeates our daily lives and those of our families, said Benton uh, Benson, a Democrat. She said, too many elected officials feel unsafe and fear for their safety of their colleagues and the security of future elections. State lawmakers have failed to set aside enough money for election security, she said. Yeah, so we're going to have a congressional hearing about protesters outside a Michigan Secretary of State's office when she illegally changed the voting rules, right? Violated the Michigan Constitution to allow for cheating, but when you're, the lefties are outside of the su- justices of the Supreme Court's houses, yelling obscenities, signs, you know, being violent, okay, to the people in the neighborhood. Oh, now no hearings on that. No hearing. We're not going to, there's no need. A- ABC News, you don't need to cover that. No, no, no. It's, it's a threat to our elections. Not that Democrats in the boards of elections are cheating. It's that the people, the Trump people are standing up to them and demanding that they don't cheat. So this story came out. We're going to take a break here in a minute. This story came out, and I thought this was pretty interesting. Um, I, you know, there was, there was a thing that the, you know, the Arizona election just happened, and I thought it was very interesting that it took them forever to count the votes. Kerry Lake won the governor's race, endorsed by Trump, and the, the guy who was in, in charge of, uh, I think it was Paloma County, election director resigns after comprehensive failure on primary day in Arizona County. An election official from Arizona has resigned after allegations of voter irregularities and a ballot shortage on primary day. The penal, P-I-N-A-L county government confirmed that David Frisk is no longer in the positions of election director and no longer employed by penal county in a statement on Thursday, two days after the Arizona primary election, after a shortage of ballots on primary election day and thousands of early ballots were sent to the wrong voters leading up to the primary. Okay, But well, we're not going to have a DOJ investigation Okay, of that. We're not going to have a DOJ investigation of that. And then you've got this story, which is on wethepeopleconvention.org. Fox News wants to make sure that you stop supporting Donald Trump. Now, this story came from um, the New York Times. So you got to take it with a grain of salt because, you know, the New York Times are just a bunch of total liars, right? So the New York Times put this out, but Newsmax and some people picked it up, so I put it on our website. This article will help you understand that Fox News is just like the left-wing news and that they don't give a damn what we the people think or want. They are smarter than us. Uh, and so they are going to manipulate us with lies and leading news coverage to make you vote for who they want, not us. Now, guess what, Fox News? Here's a message to you. That didn't work in 2016. It ain't going to work in 2024, okay? But they think it will, all right? The New York Times reports, in an effort to replace Donald Trump at the top of the Republican Party, Fox News owner Rupert Murdoch has effectively banned the former president from appearing on the network shows, a report said. Trump has not been seen on any Fox program for more than 100 days in Murdoch's wider push to downplay him as a primary figure within the GOP. The New York Times reported on Friday, Fox News is now often bypassing Trump in favor of showcasing other uh, Republicans, the report said. Recent polling still shows Trump dominating all potential GOP competitors. A Harvard-Harris poll showed Trump receiving 56 percent of the vote against seven other rivals, including DeSantis, who came in at 16 percent. On July uh, 22nd, Fox News did not broadcast Trump's rally in Arizona where he teased the possibility of running for president in 24. Uh, he's saying we may have to do it again, Trump said. On the same date, Fox broadcast a speech by former Vice President Mike Pence and also aired Laura Ingram's interview with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who the Fox higher-ups are said to view as a top candidate for the 2020 GOP nomination. The decision to ignore Trump was made at the highest levels of Fox news parent company, uh, Fox News' parent company, the Times added, and is supported by billionaire owner Murdoch as well as his son and company CAO Lakshana Murdoch, both of whom are Republicans, said to want to replace Trump as the head of the party. Okay? Now, again, that came from CNN or from uh, the New York Times. It was also, there's a link in that story. Okay, you can see the story at WeThePeopleConvention.org. There's a link in that story that says that uh, Fox did a, an investigation and says it's not true that that Trump has had opportunities to come on and has chosen not to. That may be true. But here's the bottom line. They're all trying to tell you their goal of the elites on the left and on the right is to tell you who to vote for, to vet you to vote for their pick. Now, we have to have the facts And we have to vote for our pick, okay? And again, you know, I talked to you about what happened here in Ohio when Trump wrongly endorsed J.D. Vance for Senate and blew up our candidates. We didn't like that. We're not happy with Trump here in Ohio. But we're still going to be objective and we're going to pick the person who can best take on the existential threat that I just described for you in the deep state, right? That's what we got to do. So whether that's DeSantis or Trump, that's still to be determined, but we don't want them telling us what to do. And they're not doing it. And here's the proof. Trump's endorsement record sits at 172 and 10 after perfect picks in Kansas, Missouri, and Michigan. Okay, here's the facts, folks. Candidates backed by former President Donald Trump are now 172 and 10, meaning 172 winners only 10 losers in statewide and federal races in 2022 after a perfect night in Kansas, Michigan, and Missouri. His candidates are undefeated so far in Arizona, and, and including with the gubernatorial race, which Kerry Lake eventually was called for this week, Well, also has two candidates in Washington, and those states are re- rating results. They did not win. So those two Washington state candidates did not win. Um, the bottom line is, We still believe in President Trump. We still support him. And as I've said to you guys, the real rubber is going to meet the road after January when President Trump, because he endorsed them and he gave us, in in doing so, he's giving us his promise that those people he endorses are going to implement the Make America Great Again agenda that we want if we vote for them, right? This is a contract. It's a verbal contract. Trump is saying, vote for these people. I've selected them because they're MAGA. And if you support with them, those people are going to deliver MAGA legislation. Now, the big key for us is we can trust but verify because they're mostly House people. They're not all senators. You got Oz and Vance and people, and Blake uh, Masters in, in Arizona are Senate candidates. But most of these other are House candidates. They got two-year terms. If we take the House, which we damn well better, and they don't vote for MAGA all the way, then Trump has to disown them, not endorse them, and endorse the people we pick in 2024. That's the deal. Okay. I think that's a fair deal. I think that's the way we should look at it. Bottom line is none of that matters if we don't win. And that's why we ought to be focused on the 2022 uh, general election, you know, coming up this November. All right. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the We The People Convention News and Opinion Podcast. And my name is Tom Zawastowski. The We the People Convention News and Opinion Radio Program is paid for by donors like you. You can donate to the We the People Convention and support our cause by going to wethepeopleconvention.org or by sending your check in any amount to We the People Convention, P.O. Box 6211, Akron, Ohio, 44312. When you're playing a video, including our podcast, you'll see this little cloud button, and if you click it, it'll actually download the po- the video to your hard disk. And this works on our podcast page as well. If you if you're playing our podcast, and it's going to be loud, so I won't play it for much. But there's our podcast playing, and you can see this little you know download button. Okay. The other thing you got to notice on our podcast page is that there's a link here. Where you can send me a message about this podcast. Hey, it was great. Hey, I didn't like it. What you know, something was wrong, or here's a correction. That kind of thing. You can use that link, and then these are the stories that I covered in this particular podcast. And you'll see there's links that go to the stories that, to the articles that I used in reporting on that. So you can you can click on that. Um, you'll also see that um, you can sign up for our emails and text messages, but you can also watch our podcasts on Roku TV and on Amazon Fire TV. And these are the instructions for doing that. So this is all on our, our podcast page, right? Right on the front page where the yellow button was. So if you click there, you know, this is our podcast page. These are the instructions for watching on Rocco TV or Amazon Fire. And I watch our podcast on TV. It just feels more comfortable. Uh, so you can do that. We're also on Rumble. Uh, if you go to Rumble, uh, you should join Rumble. Uh, and, you know, it's Tom Z at WTPC. You'll see our podcast there. So you can get us a lot of different ways, including on Apple iTunes. And then this is an audio uh, version of our podcast. If you click here, it'll just play the audio of the podcast. It will not, uh, you know, know, show you the video. So people can, you know, listen to that while they're jogging or, you know, working out, working in the yard or just relaxing and just want to listen to the audio and not watch the video. And again, this is available on phone, on your iPad, on your laptop, on your computer, any way you want. And you can share, you know, this, this, you know, whatever you see, if you're on a page that you, you know, you really like and you know, you see an article that you think, geez, I've got to share this article, you know, with uh, someone in my family, you can send them an email by clicking on the little envelope. You can uh, post it on Parler or MeWe. If you click on this, you get all kinds of options, you know, where you can put it on Twitter or Facebook, whatever, which we don't support, but uh, you can do whatever you want. So so we ask that you share what uh, you see on our We The People convention site and that um, you get more people to look at it because uh, that's the whole idea here—to help uh, educate people, inform them, and then, as I said uh, before, link. We're not just about talk; we're about action. And in my podcast every week, uh, which is published every Saturday, so if you—you know—the new podcast usually comes out every Saturday, and in that podcast, I will ask you to do certain things that will help protect and defend your individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity. So that's the We the People Convention website. Come back often. Use it uh, to be informed, be informed, and uh, share it with others. Thanks a lot. All right, and um, thank you for all you who donate. But most of all, thank you for all of you who share this podcast with others and who act on the things we ask you to do, like contacting Senator Manchin and Senator Sinema and any other Democratic senator in, in an energy state to try to get them to stop this heinous um, you know, inflation reduction bill that is actually an inflation bill, right? Uh, and also I do, I wanna remind you that um, the, uh, we ask you to you know, just put an alarm in your phone that just reminds you like on Saturday afternoons to check out the We The People Convention podcast because our emails and text messages sometimes don't get through to you. Uh, you can sign up to get them at wethepeopleconvention.org right on the front page. And as many of you know, and I'm going to talk at the end of the program about, we're, we're developing an uh, a phone app that'll be available on iPhone, Android, iPad, you know, tablets and all that. Uh, but but put an alarm on your phone to remind you to check out the podcast. And then, you know, uh, also once a week, come to the website and just, you know, watch read some of the stories because they do affect you. And that's why we post them. Um, and And mostly though, Please share this with others because the more people we can get to watch, the more people we get to act on the things that will help protect all of our freedom, liberty, and prosperity. Right. So that's the goal. And since we're blocked from Twitter and Facebook and all the lefty you know sites, the only way that people know about this is if you tell them and if you use that share link. Say hey, go to this webcast, or this podcast, and watch this story at the twenty-two minute mark or the you know fifty-five minute mark. That's how you can do that. Okay. All right, on to uh, some domestic economic news, and then we'll do some foreign news, and then some, you know, just some anecdotal stories. Uh, labor participation rate drops in July as black unemployment increases. Now, again, we're covering, you know, these stories because, you know, they always give you the jobs numbers and all that, and we've shown how they make no sense, that they, they pick and choose, you know, what they're going to consider, you know, unemployed and not unemployed, Right. And so the United States Department of Labor reported on Friday that 528,000 jobs were added in July. That's good news, reducing the unemployment rate to 3.5% down from 0.1%, down 0.1% from June's read and a significant increase from the 372,000 jobs added in June. But can you believe them? That's the question. Dow Jones economists estimated that we would add 258,000 new jobs instead of, uh, 528,000 would be reported for July. But White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said in Thursday's briefing that they wanted to manage expectations by saying that the Biden administration only expected 150,000 new jobs, begging the question of what data the White House was looking at as they got the July jobs report wrong by 400,000 jobs, or more specifically When they said there'd be 150,000, and now they're claiming there's 528,000, they were off by a factor of four. So how can you believe them? And the answer is, don't, don't. Those aren't real, those aren't real. Here's an example. July's uh, report outlines better economic news with several metrics returning to their pre-pandemic levels, but still showed that there are 900,000 more Americans who are not in the labor force, but want a job compared to February 2020, two years ago. That's almost a million people. And another concerning data point, the labor force participation rate ticked down in July to 62%. To remain below its February 2020 level, as the Biden administration has still not built the economy back to the levels it was, right? So much to build back better. Again, the job participation rate says only 62.1% of Americans are looking for jobs. That means you know 40 38% of us are not looking for jobs. That's not good. That's not good. That's not how we got to be the most prosperous nation in the history of the world. Furthermore, there were 2.2 million Americans who were unable to work because their employers closed or lost business due to COVID-19. And 548,000 Americans were prevented from looking for work due to the pandemic in July, 18 months after the Biden presidency said promise to shut down the virus. So they claim that we added 548,000 jobs. But 548,000 more people were kept from working in states that were getting bent out of shape about the new pandemic, the new COVID, right, in July. And while the Biden administration has been obsessed with diversity, equity, and inclusion, which are all communist concepts... Biden, the Biden economy saw black unemployment tick up in July from 5.8% to 6%, even while the unemployed rate for other demographics decreased, right? So the people who say, oh, we're for the minorities and we're for the blacks are the ones that are hurting them the most. When Donald J. Trump was president of the United States, the black, Hispanic, uh, Asian, uh, you know, gay, any demographic you wanted had the lowest unemployment in the history of records. That's what Donald Trump did. What these people are doing is raising their unemployment. And part of the way they're doing it by letting millions of illegals, unskilled people into our country to compete with blacks and Hispanics for manual labor jobs, okay? So then we had this story that a lot of you guys liked. I sent out a text about it in an email. Why are gas prices down, really? Biden regime wants to claim credit for dropping gas prices after claiming no responsibility for them reaching historic highs. Yeah, they have it backward as usual. It's hard not to notice that gas prices have been falling over the past several weeks. Gas prices are still high, but they're headed in the right direction. Uh, Biden said, our actions are working and prices are coming down, but he's wrong. uh, Gas prices are coming down, but as Peter Jacobson at the Foundation for Economic Education explains, there is little evidence to indicate the majority of the price drop is due to any particular policy change because they haven't changed their policy. They haven't said, we're going to dig, we're going to get oil and gas, we're going to rebuild our, our fossil fuel economy. No, they've done the opposite. Biden would likely say that raiding the strategic petroleum reserves was a big factor. However, the Treasury Department estimates that the impact of those raids and our our, our strategic petroleum reserves, which are intended for our military to use in case of war so that we don't run out of fuel to fuel our, our carriers and our planes, well, carriers have nuclear power, but you know our jets and our trucks and stuff, that we have this because of Biden's actions. That strategic petroleum reserve is at the lowest level in 37 years. And he's giving, selling some of our strategic petroleum reserves to China. Millions of barrels to our enemy. Yeah. The Treasury Department estimates the impact of those rates on our strategic petroleum reserves is uh, has uh, lowered gas prices from 13 to 33 cents a gallon. Even if you assume the higher estimate, that's still much of a decline left unexplained. So here's the explanation. Last month, the analyst Brian Mine Milney explained at MarketWatch, gasoline demand weakened against historic seasonal strengths is is pressing retail prices lower. Even the New York Times conceded this is the likely ex- uh, explanation. Basically, the bottom line is gas prices are going down cuz you can't afford to buy gas and you're cutting back on your driving. You're canceling your vacation. That's not helping the economy. That's hurting us. So, Joe Biden isn't bringing gas prices down, supply and demand is bringing prices down. And that's not good. That's bad. So, while we all appreciate the extra bucks that are in our wallet and it's not insignificant. I I know, you know, last time I filled up, we were at like 350 a gallon. That's down from like 450. You know, that's 20 bucks extra in my pocket. I'll take it, but this isn't a sign of recovery, and it's not a sign that they've changed policy. They haven't done a damn thing to help us. Here's the proof. Household debt tops $16 trillion for the first time, fueled by higher inflation and interest rates. All right? I thought this was really interesting because I never really knew what our household debt was. Household uh, debt climbed to $16 billion in the second quarter for the first time as soaring inflation pushed up housing and auto balances, the New York Federal Reserve reported on Tuesday. The collective American IOU totaled $16.15 trillion of debt through the end of June, good for $312 billion or 2% increase from the previous quarter. Wow, so that's a $312 billion increase just in one quarter. Debt gains were widespread, but particularly focused on mortgages and vehicle purchases. Americans are borrowing more, but a bigger part of the increased borrowing is attributed to higher prices, the New York Fed said. Mortgage balances rose 1.9% for the quarter, or 207 billion. Um, and then, you know, credit card balances surged 46 billion in their uh, three month period and 13% over the past year. Um, student loan debt was little changed at 1.59 trillion. Yeah, that's a big deal. Of course, they want to play around and suggest that that debt be forgiven. And we're totally against that. But here's the bottom line. And this is where you have to be careful. Um, it's starting to cut, not just fat, but bone. We're all seeing it now as a conservative, you've got to realize it's going to get worse. I told our, our children you know, no, you know, your, your grocery bills are soaring, you know, your other expenses are soaring. It's going to get worse before it gets better. So you can't just cut back enough for now. You got to cut back enough to prepare for later, okay? Just know that. It's, it's not going to get better real soon. It's going to get better, but you got to survive that. What you got to do is you got to try to not go into your reserves. You got to try to live with what your cash flow is, even if you're on Social Security. And I know many of you get very small Social Security checks, and it's very hard for you. So I know there's not much to cut, but do your best, okay? And and, and be smart, but know that we got to we got to get through this, and it's not ending soon. Now let's get on to some important international, uh, you know, news. Dutch cabinet to reveal plans for new nuclear power plants. You heard that right, new nuclear power plants. The cabinet has revealed that they will present plans to build two nuclear power stations. These stations will be, quote, a good addition to all sustainable techniques, climate energy minister Rob Jensen said. The Dutch government will reveal plans this week to develop these plants. We are fully committed to wind, sun and other sustainable energy sources, they said, but also want a stable CO2 free energy source in the energy mix, he added, according to the uh, the Netherlands Times. Following Russia's invasion of Ukraine in February and Gazprom cutting gas supplies to the Netherlands after wholesaler gas terror refused to bow to the Kremlin's demand to pay in rubles for fear of breaching EU sanctions, a majority of the Dutch House of Representatives urged them to develop further plans for nuclear energy. So, this is now how the climate commie anti capitalist plan to get rid of low cost energy. Which is the fuel of capitalism and individual prosperity, they were killing not just oil and gas, but they were killing nuclear. Now, here's the Netherlands saying we're going to build two new nuclear plants, and Germany just announced that they're not going to decommission the nuclear plants they've got. This is good news, but we need more, okay? We need more because things are going in the wrong direction here's a story many of you didn't see. 100,000 North Korean soldiers could be sent to bolster Putin's forces fighting in Ukraine. An army of soldiers from one of the most authoritarian nations could be sent to bolster Putin's forces in the Ukraine. Uh, up, uh, It uh, was reported this week, a leading defense expert in Moscow, Reserve Colonel Igor Kornachenko, told State TV, we shouldn't be shy in accepting the hard extend, the hand extended to us by King John Un. North Korea, Korea has made it clear through diplomatic channels that as well as providing builders to repair war damage, it is ready to supply a vast fighting force, re, uh, reported the Regnum News Agency. They would be deployed in the forces of the separatist pro-Putin Donetsk People's Republic uh, section and Luhansk. People's Republic, both of which Kim had recently recognized as independent countries. Okay? So, North Korea, what are they getting in exchange? They're getting Russian oil and gas, and they're getting grain for their starving people, right? So, these sanctions aren't really working. They're pulling our enemies together China, Russia, North Korea, Iran. We're pushing our enemies together. Okay? This isn't good. And that's why this article in the Federalist I thought was good. The most humane goal for Ukraine is the quickest negotiable settlement. And and yet, you know, we're not talking enough about this. As the war in Ukraine grinds on, there are mildly encouraging signs of a negotiated settlement. Representative uh, reported Russian President Vladimir Putin reportedly has outlined to his Turkish counterpart uh, Erdogan a set of terms that might provide the starting point for a compromised peace package. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky's statement that Ukraine will not join the North Atlantic Treaty Organization almost also opens the door to agreement. Nonetheless, the risk of a longer, uh, larger war in which NATO forces confront Russia uh, remains alarmingly high. The humanitarian consequences of a wider and more protracted conflict would be a, would be devastating, not only for the Ukrainian people, the Russian people, and the people of the West, but especially for the global poor. In their interest, a negotiated settlement is imperative. But that attitude of the Biden administration to this promising signs of settlement is unclear. It may well be that the Biden administration wants to decapitate Putin and force regime change, but that's just not. In the cards, folks, it's just not in the card. The heads of the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization recently painted a frightening picture of the effects of the Russian-Ukraine conflict on global food surprise. We've talked before, the UN is talking about 237 million dead from famine. On our video section at We The People Convention, you must watch the uh, podcast between Jordan Peterson and and the uh, journalist, Who travels, he's a war correspondent who travels the world, who's telling you that basically the left is destroying intentionally our ability to produce food to create this famine and blame climate so they can control us. No lie, you gotta watch that. Uh, Consider wheat. Wheat is a staple food for more than 35% of the world's population. 50 countries depend on Russia and Ukraine for 30% or more of their wheat supply. Many of these countries are low-income food deficit countries in North America, Asia, and the Middle East. Egypt, Turkey, Bangladesh, and Iran buy more than 60% of their wheat from Russia and Ukraine. Lebanon, Tunisia, Yemen, Libya, Pakistan are are really heavily reliable relying on Russia and Ukraine. a continuation of the conflict would severely disrupt agricultural production in both Ukraine and Russia. In other words, they're going to create a mass starvation. That alone, again, Americans, my fellow patriots, call your congressman, this is another ask, and make it clear to them, we do not want to be responsible for the biggest genocide in the history of the world. The communists Stalin killed 40 to 60 million, right? Mao killed 60 million. The Cambodians killed millions. The communists have killed 100 million plus in this in the last century, okay? We the West are going to be personally responsible for killing 237 million people by starvation because of our actions and inactions. You've got to call your congressman and senator and say, stop it. We want a settlement. We want a, a America to produce more, to get the shackles taken off, to feed the world. That's what you need to do. It's a moral imperative. So last week, you know, I, I said things are getting worse. So last week, we talked about that Nancy Pelosi was going to go to Taiwan China had threatened to shoot down her plane. There was all kinds of tension. And we said, well, now she's got to go. Because if you don't go, then China knows that if they invade Taiwan, we'll do nothing. We can't, the United States, the most powerful country in the world, can't be told what we can or can't do by anybody. So Pelosi went. Now again, why she went, we have no idea. It was so screwed up. And the disconnect between her and the Biden regime was just telling. It just it was diplomatic buffoonery for her to go. Normally you go for a reason. Someone tell me what the reason was. All I know is they went after you know China, and that's not a good idea if you're not ready for it. So what does China do? China military drills around Taiwan are significant escalation. Says U.S.'s Anthony Blink and Secretary of State. So what did they do? They actually, China actually surrounded the island of Taiwan with aircraft and with and ships, launched missiles, showed launch missiles towards U.S. facilities and basically rattled the sabers. Why do we provoke that? What they're scaring the crap out of the Taiwanese people. Why do we do that? It's, it's really concerning. And, and again, you know, it just shows what pathetic, you know, what pathetic people, these smart, stupid people in the Biden regime really are. They, they have no idea what they're doing. God, we got to hope we can survive their stupidity. Speaking of surviving their stupidity, this story was a beauty, okay? After us having Pastor Pavlovsky you know, with his great speeches I played for you last week about, you know, fighting the Canadian, you know, vax mandates and stuff. This story came out. Yeah, you're not surprised, but it's really disgusting. Canadian vax mandate wasn't based on science, court says. A court said this, okay? And remember, Pastor Pavlovsky was released because the charges against him weren't true, okay? According to court documents obtained by Common Sense, the Canadian mandate that prevented people from traveling in or out of the country unless they were vaccinated was not based on any particular scientific study. Recently a report released court documents reveal the Trudeau government's travel vaccine mandate was driven by politics and not science. Days before they implemented the policy, senior officials were scrambling to find rationale, a reason. They had made the decision with no science. It gets worse. Taken with the recent revelation from Dr. Deborah Burks that health officials in the US knew the US the vaccine would not prevent infection, prevent infection, which we covered, Fauci and Burks admitted they knew it wouldn't prevent infection. The picture being painted of public health agency is not pretty. You think? Let me make it more not pretty, okay? The documents under seal by court in Canada have been released thanks to efforts of two Canadians who refused the vaccine and were unable to travel to Britain to visit loved ones. The documents reveal a decision-making process regarding the travel mandate that only wacko left-wing woke radicals could invent. Point one, no one in the COVID unit of the government, including Jennifer Little, the Director General, had any formal education in epidemiology, medicine, or public health. Little, who has an undergraduate degree in literature from the University of Toronto, testified that there were 20 people in the unit. When the uh, parliament asked her whether anyone in the unit had any professional experience in public health, she said there was one person, that person, Monique St. Lorette, According to Lorette's LinkedIn profile, she appears to be a civil servant who briefly worked for the Public Health Agency of Canada. The email exchange between the Public Health Agency of Canada and Transport Canada shows a scramble to come up with any kind of justification to impose the travel mandate. To the extent the update data exists or that there is clear evidence of the safety benefits of vaccination on the users, or other stakeholders of the transportation system, it would be helpful to assist Transport Canada in supporting the measures that we put forward that said you can't travel in or out of Canada unless you're vaccinated. Incompetent, ignorant, indoctrinated Canadian bureaucrats destroyed the livelihoods of thousands of truckers and farmers and middle-class business owners because they could, they blocked them for no scientific reason from moving across the borders. That's what we're facing. That's what we need to drive out of the United States and lead the world in driving them out of the rest of the place. So how do you do that? Well, okay, here's a good story. Hospital has to pay $10 to workers denied religious exemptions from VAX mandates. Uh, Liberty Council, the group that defends religious freedom, wins another big settlement in defense of religious freedom in case of Illinois hospital workers uh, denied religious exemptions from the VAX mandates. A group of healthcare workers who sued their hospital over COVID-19 VAX mandates are slated to receive $10 million, according to a settlement agreement filed on July 29th. About a dozen workers at North Shore University Health Systems in Illinois lodged their suit in October of 2021, arguing that the facility was illegally not granting religious exemptions to the mandate. After eight months of negotiation, the workers and North Shore have agreed to settle the case. Under the settlement terms, North Shore will pay $10,337,500 into a settlement fund for workers affected by its mandate, specifically workers between July 1st, 2021 and January 1st, 2022, asked for a religious exemption and were denied and either received a vaccine to avoid termination or were fired or resigned. About 437, 473 workers fit under that category. So this money is not just going to the people who were fired or resigned, but who took the vax under duress. That's good. I'm glad they were included. North Shore will also adjust its vaccine mandate to enhance its accommodation procedures for individuals with approved exemptions for sincerely held religious beliefs. U.S. District Judge John Kness, a Trump appointee overseeing the case, was asked to approve the proposed settlement. Liberty Council, the legal group representing the plans, described the settlement as a first of its kind for an action against a private employer who denied hundreds of requests for religious exemptions. The settlement should also serve as a strong warning to employers across the nation that they cannot refuse to accommodate those with sincere religious objections to forced vaccination mandates, he added. Hear, here! listen up. This is the first. It won't be the last. No more of this vax mandate nonsense where you, your religious freedom is being violated. That's just not going to fly. Here's, not, uh, here's a not so good story, which I'm not happy with. And uh, we'll be going to West Virginia in a few hours. And uh, this story came out. West Virginia judge finds transgender surgeries must be covered by Medicaid. I'm thinking, what the heck's with this? And I'll be asking the folks in West Virginia later this afternoon, what the heck is this? West Virginia's Medicaid program is required to cover gender transition surgeries for transgender residents, a federal judge in Huntington ruled this week. U.S. District Court uh, Judge Chuck Chambers ruled in favor of a lawsuit filed by LGBT interest group Lambda Legal saying that a Medicaid exclusion for low-income residents with gender dysphoria would violate the Equal Protections Clause of the 14th Amendment, the Affordable Care Act, and the Medicaid Act. It is undisputed, disputed, said the judge, that the criteria determining whether or not such treatment is covered under the Medicaid program hinges on the diagnosis. But when treatment is precluded from a diagnosis based on one's gender identity, such, exclusive, indiv- individually, such exclusions discriminates on the basis of sex and transgender status. Uh, Chambers an appointee of former President Bill Clinton wrote in Tuesday's 30-page opinion. While the number is more than double the amount previously thought, transgender adults still make up only 0.6% of the adult population nationwide, okay? Now, I think that if you have gender dysphoria, that's the illness, and that should be paid for by Medicaid to be treated, But there is no evidence that cutting off your breasts, castrating boys and men helps fix gender dysphoria, okay? And so that shouldn't be paid. That's an experimental, not proven, basically woke ideology that Medicaid shouldn't pay for. And maybe the folks in West Virginia need to talk to their legislators about reversing that ruling, okay? All right, next uh, issue, though, that is an answer to that. Wisconsin school district bans pride flags despite woke outrage. You gotta love this. We need more school districts like this. It seems every week we're inundated with stories about school districts uh, subjecting students to woke propaganda instead of focusing on teaching them how to read, write, and do math. But at least one school district in Wisconsin is refusing to follow suit. Kettle Moraine School District Superintendent Stephen Plume instructed employees not to display gay pride flags or put their preferred pronouns in email signatures. signatures. The move sparked pushback from alumni, students, and members of the staff. Plume insists he's only following policy that has already been established. Kettle Moraine School District Superintendent Plume told the school board the district's interpretation of the policy that prohibits staff from using their positions to promote partisan politics of any kind, religious views, and propaganda for personal, monetary, or non-monetary gain, changed uh, following a legal analysis, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel report. Plume said teachers and administrators are prohibited from displaying political or religious messages in their classrooms or on their person, including gay pride flags and Black Lives Matter and we back the badge signs. Staff also may not say anything what their preferred pronouns are. So there you have it. That's the right answer. The right answer is we're here to teach math, science, okay, reading, writing, not politics. So banning all of that is important. Now that to me, the, draw the line at doesn't mean you ban U.S. history because you have to teach history, and that's can't that can be done without being political. But banning this stuff—that's what we need to do in more schools. This is another important story I put at WeThePeopleConvention.org. You should uh, take a look at SCOTUS gun ruling has far-reaching impact. And I talked to you that, you know, when Justice Thomas wrote the decision that basically reversed the New York state, uh, you know, restrictions on gun ownership, where basically the government could just decide if you could have a gun or not, that ruling said, no, no, no. The Constitution decides if you can have a gun or not. And guess what? The Constitution says you can have a gun, and it's the state's job to prove why some people may not, like a felon may not own a gun. It completely tipped it on its head. And so, you know, the the, the story that you know this this ruling had was that you know basically uh, I'm sorry, I gotta find my story that Basically, what happened is that everything involved with things like they're trying to ban ammo, they're trying to ban bump stocks, they're trying to ban certain types of guns. Now, all those cases which were kind of headed to wins by the left are now being relitigated and heading towards the right because this ruling carries throughout all the things involved with gun ownership, not just with gun ownership. That's a good deal. That's important, folks. Okay? That's important. So that story is at wethepeopleconvention.org. Um, let's see here. I've got the, this truth about the Kansas abortion ruling. Okay? This is another important story this week. They had the um, the left... With all the wins by the Republicans and, and great turnouts, they were talking, all they want to talk about ad nauseum was that the Kansas, uh, uh, you know, uh, ballot issue that was voted down about abortion. And they want to say, oh, it's, it's, you know, it shows that abortion is an issue for the, uh, the um, November elections. It's not true. It's propaganda. That's not the case. The the, the ruling in Kansas, the, what they were voting on, and it was very poorly worded, okay, was basically that they have restrictions on a, on abortion in Kansas. But this this proposed change in the law would have given the legislature of Kansas more ability to even do more to restrict abortion in Kansas. And it was voted down after money poured in from all over the country from less wing groups to outspend the proponents about 10 to 1. But it does not in any way because the turnout, there was no surge. See, what they were trying to claim is that voters surged to vote uh, on this issue in Kansas. And there would be way more Democrats, who turned out. And the answer is there weren't. There weren't more Democrats. More Republicans showed up to vote in that election. So again, be careful the propaganda. It's it's not true. They did not, you know, it wasn't not. It was not a more uh, a a uh, uh, a test of what the issues that matter in November are. It's not about abortion. in November. It's about jobs, economy, inflation, gas prices. That's what it's about. It's pocketbook issues. Um, we talked last week about West Virginia and that uh, their treasurer went after the woke banks, and I said others would be joining. Well, this week, Republican states are planning an all-out assault on woke banks. We won't do business with you, is what they said, okay? And Republican state officials are writing plans to punish woke banks, which push anti-fossil fuel policies and, ha- and adhere to the so-called environmental social governments, ESG standards. West Virginia announced last week would bar five major financial institutions, including Black Rock, Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan, from entering into banking contracts with the state treasurer's office or any state agency. Each of the five corporations had committed to policies limiting commercial engagement with fossil fuel industry, which paid a whopping $769 million in taxes to West Virginia state government. Uh, the treasurer of West Virginia said, we're not going to pay for our own destruction. We're not going to subsidize that. They have weaponized our tax dollars against the very people in industries that have generated the money to begin with. That is why we're pushing back against this ESG mu- movement. He noted that U.S. bank court officials uh, backed off its prohibition on fossil fuel lending after they took this action. Moore's action, a first-of-this-kind response to major banks' ESG push, is likely to be the start of many similar actions nationwide, as at least 15 Republican states, which collectively manage tens of billions of dollars in public funds, have proposed laws or policies that would similarly punish anti-fossil fuel banks over the last year, according to Fox Business Analysis. In addition to uh, West Virginia, Texas, Kentucky, Oklahoma, Florida, South Carolina, Arizona, Louisiana, Idaho, Utah, Wyoming, Arkansas, North Dakota said they were take or consider action against banks. We will be pushing for the people in Ohio to do the same thing. You should be pushing your state to do the same thing. We gotta fight fire with fire. Okay. And that's really what what needs to happen. Now, nobody does that better than DeSantis. Okay. Nobody does that better than um DeSantis fight fire with fire, okay, and so he did something this week that I think is just fantastic, and that is he suspended an activist Tampa judge uh, who refused to enforce the laws in the state of Florida, okay, and and this is how you do it. Remember I said about you know the hearings in the Senate how it, you know there was no oversight because there was no threat to have penalties for your actions. What DeSantis does that no one else does. And may I ask again, why aren't you doing it in your state? Why aren't these other Republican governors doing what DeSantis does? You know why? Because they're rhinos. They're not conservatives. They're not MAGA. It's right here for you to see. And so you can see this story at wethepeopleconvention.org. And let me go through this. Under Florida Constitution, the governor has the authority to suspend state officials for reasons of misfeasance, malfeasance, neglect of duty, drunkenness, incompetence, permanent inability to perform official duties, or commission of a felony. The governor further has authority to fill that office by appointing a replacement for the duration of the suspension. Today, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis suspended Hillsborough County State Prosecutor Andrew Warren for failing to enforce the laws of Florida. Specifically, Andrew Warren has announced he would not enforce laws created by the Florida Legislature that were uh, that were as against his personal political outlooks. Warren publicly stated he would not enforce laws restricting abortion, anti-riot laws, and any law that sought to protect children from adult predators. We don't elect people in one part of the state to have veto power over what the entire state decides on the important issues, Governor DeSantis said. Governor DeSantis made the announcements of the suspension and replacement in Tampa with a group of law enforcement sheriffs from the state at his side. This was and is a bold move, and Ron DeSantis is well-supported in Florida for doing it. Now, here's the kicker. He didn't just fire this SOB, okay? He sent the police, the state police, to his office and have him escorted out. That's what the left does, right? That's what the left does. This guy is a Soros-backed, you know, woke, joke prosecutor, quote unquote, whose goal it is to not prosecute, to leave illegals and felons and and criminals on our streets to attack you, to prey on us, to do what? To do what the communists want, create chaos. Remember, all of this, everything we're talking about, the communist left has infiltrated our government's And their goal is to create chaos in your family, right? They've broken us apart with the COVID mask mandates and all that. They they attack our children by trying to indoctrinate them to these deviant sexual behaviors and this sick, you know, racist CRT nonsense. They've attacked all of our institutions, like the banks. They're trying to create chaos. We must bring stability. The way you do it is the way Ron DeSantis did it the way other Republicans need to do it. The way the people we elect this November have to do it. And you got to keep talking to them about this because they don't get it yet. If they got it, we'd have more Ron DeSantis, right? But Abbott's not doing this. And he's, you know, we think he's one of the guys, but he hasn't stopped the illegals coming across the border. He talks about it. We need... To act, not to talk, and that's the problem. So I'm going to wrap up the show. Uh, I want to let you know we are making great progress on our uh, phone app. Better than I thought we would do, and um, and I and I'm confident it will be out this month, if not this week. Okay, coming up. Um, I, I'm just really thrilled with the team we've got working on it. I think it's going to work exactly the way we talked about and it's going to save us thousands of dollars after we spend thousands to make it. In the long run, it's gonna give us the resource we need to fight the fight from 2022 all the way through 2024. So be waiting, you know, be ready. I will be notifying you via phone call, email, text, every way I can. When that app is available, I need you to go and download it. And then like you, if you can see on the screen, the most important thing is you have to allow notifications. That's the kicker because that's how we're going to be able to send you notifications about the stories we post about our podcast and save the money we're spending doing that through texts and emails that don't get through as reliably. So that's why I'm asking you to do that. 86% of you in our polls said you would download the app when we have it. I can't wait. We're working hard on it. Some of you may notice this week. That, you know, we didn't have as many stories posted and stuff because we're kind of consumed with trying to fight through the technical issues. This is not an easy process to get this done, but we're going to get it done and it, we're working on it. And thank you, by the way, for those of you who sent uh, extra checks and things supporting the the development of, of the phone app. I, I really appreciate that because it's it is costing us a lot of money. Okay. As I mentioned, uh, today's August 6th, Saturday, August 6th. Uh, Nan and I are going to get in a car after this podcast is published and we're driving to uh, West Virginia, Northern West Virginia, but really we're going to right across from Marietta, Ohio. So we're going to be visiting with patriots from West Virginia, uh, from uh, Southwestern Pennsylvania and from uh, Southeastern Ohio at Thomason Park, which is at 100 West 7th Street in Williamstown, West Virginia. And um, it's from 1 to 5 this Saturday. We're going to be a little late getting there, but we're going to be there you know, in time to, to see all of you and celebrate. And we look forward to being with our fellow patriots uh, in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, and Ohio. We always like to get out and visit with everybody. So we're looking forward to that. Um, please follow the asks I've made this week for you. You know, call mansion and cinema really important. We got to try to stop this, you know, this non-inflation reduction bill, right? We got to stop the money that they're going to give millions of dollars to China for solar panels that we don't need, that don't work, okay? We have higher priorities. I ask you to call your congressman and talk to them about a settlement with Ukraine. It's critical. Don't be part of a genocide. America is greater than that. We should be stopping the starvation. What is the Biden regime doing? Not a damn thing. Guess where fertilizer comes from? It comes from natural gas. We should be producing fertilizer. We should have a warp speed type thing like they had for the vaccine for fertilizer. How come we're not doing that? Instead, we're hurting you know our, our farm sector, right? The cattle ranchers are under unbelievable attack. Call your congressman, call your senator, say, We want a settlement in Ukraine, and we want America to feed the world. That's what we got to do, okay? All right. Again, you know, uh, just remember, this is on our podcast page. It's the people who voted for Democrats who are personally responsible for the destruction of our life, liberty, and prosperity. They are not Democrats. It says here, Democrats, socialists of America, they're communists. There is no Democratic Party. Never vote for any Democrat for any reason. Anyone you know who voted in a primary, in the Democratic primary, you need to send them this graphic. Just copy it from our podcast page at wethepeopleconvention.org and send it to them. They are the enemies of America. They may not think they are, but we just proved it in this program why they are. They definitely are. They don't know it. It's your job to educate them. Okay. So the bottom line is we're, you know, we're awful glad that you joined us. If you have comments, you can write to us at infotweetheopleconvention.org. At I will get them. I will respond to them. Mostly tell other people about this podcast. That's how we get bigger. We're already in all 50 states, but we can always use thousands more. Okay. So that when we act, it works. They listen. All right. So that's the uh, end of this week's uh, podcast. You're listening to the We the People Convention News and Opinion Podcast. My name is Tom Zawistowski. God willing, we'll be back next week and you'll be back with us. God bless you and God bless America.